Hello, this is Brad Schwartz, professor and chairman of Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. On behalf of Richard Wolf Medical, the Endourological Society, and the Journal of Endourology, I would like to welcome you to the latest release in our podcast series. Each month, we will be presenting a current events topic of interest to our listeners. This broadcast, I'm happy to introduce Dr. Kurt McCammon, the Divine Chair of Genitourinary Reconstructive Surgery and the Program Director, Urology Residency Program at Eastern Virginia Medical School. Today, we're going to be talking about volunteerism in urology, the what, why, when, and where. Kurt uh, is not only an incredible um, asset and figure in volunteering in urology, but he's also one of the premier reconstructionists uh, in the world uh, in our field. And I, I can't be happier to, to have you on, Kurt, and thank you very much for uh, spending your time with us today. Brad, thanks. Thanks a lot. That was probably a nicer introduction than I've ever deserved, so <laughs> I really appreciate the introduction. And, and what our listeners need to know is that Kurt has an incredible sense of humor, and so he's a, a very funny individual. But uh, So, Kurt, I, I mean, I, I've always followed your career probably, what, for the last 15 years, I think we've been friends, and um, I've always admired your your ability to just go out and and truly give yourself your time your your skills to uh, international volunteering. Uh, maybe let's just start today by you know what what is volu- volunteering in urology mean? What are some of the groups and organizations that that might be available to us? And uh, you know, kind of what what can the volunteer expect just from a a pragmatic and and logistical standpoint? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a large question, right? It's a loaded question. Um, volunteering can be almost anything if you think about it. We all do it, right? We all take care of indigent patients. So we're all doing volunteer work at times. The humanitarian efforts and the things I think you want me to talk about are some of the stuff we do overseas. There's many different ways of doing volunteerism or humanitarian work. You can, you can go and do a number of cases, and that truly helps a lot of patients. You could go and teach, and obviously teach the man to fish is, is allowing them to have more fish, right, and do more. And so in my mind, that's what it means to me. It, it, my first IVU trip completely changed my life. I was, uh, I was probably thinking about getting out of medicine at that point. I was buying homes and flipping and doing real estate. And I went to a fistula hospital in Nigeria. And I realized these poor women who had terrible issues were happier than I probably ever was. And I couldn't understand they'd been thrown out of their villages and all this stuff. And it, it truly changed my wife, my life and my wife's life because she now volunteers with me. With regards to organizations, there's there's so many. I, I don't even know all of the organizations that are out there in all honesty. A lot of universities have their own philanthropic aspect and humanitarian work. As Brad, as you know, I'm very involved with International Volunteers of Urology. So I'll, I'll put a huge plug in for IVU. IVU's model is teach one, reach many, and our, our goal is to train the trainers, and, and we've done a really relatively good job of that at times, not always perfect, obviously, nobody, but there's, a, there's so many other organizations I've been learning more and more about. There's organizations in the UK, there's organizations here. I think it's great, and I, one of the big things I would love to be able to do going forward is to bring everybody together, and I don't think they all have to be under one roof, but if we could all work together, I think a coordinated effort would be so much better than what we're currently doing, because we all have our own individual shops, so to speak. Interesting. I think that'd be a, a great, uh, you know, it'd be a consolidation and, and uh, efficiency, and, and uh, certainly from a financial standpoint, you, 
you're not as fragmented. You could really try to pool a lot of those resources and and uh, get a bigger bang for the buck. I, I never really thought of that. I think it's a great idea. Um, what what is your knowledge, or, or how do you um, uh, what are your thoughts and comments on religious based versus secular? I mean, is there is there a difference? Is there a bigger need of one versus the other? Or in, in urology, are they really just generally speaking more secular uh, based? Yeah, I, I, there are for sure some religious based urology uh, groups. There's um, PACS, which is the Christian, I, I, CR Powell does this all the time and does a great job. He said Indiana, I can't think what it's called now, but there are, there are obviously both. I think most of them are more secular. I think the religious side is probably not as as big in the urology world, at least from the people I know. But there are some religious based, and I think, in all honesty, I think if people are willing to give up their time and energy to do this, I don't. I think they're both great. Personally, we have uh, typically a lot of uh, trainees who uh, join us on uh, these uh, podcasts. Some of their questions typically revolve around. You know, number one, can I do it as a resident, as a trainee? But number two, I mean, really, at what point in training in the career is good or is best? Do you have a, is there a point in the career that is maybe optimal to, to start volunteering? Earlier is better. One of the board members on IVU is Ian Metzler, and Ian started as a pre-med student and did some IVU trips. He's now in his first year as a faculty in the University of Oregon, and he's actually been doing it forever. From a resident standpoint, I think the residents get the best experience in their their last two years of residency if they want to be doing surgery or something along those lines. If they want to go experience the culture and do type other types of things, I think there's a plethora of stuff they can do. They can help with research and other things. But to truly get in the surgical aspects, I think you need to be a little bit further along to be able to help and teach. IVU does offer a number of resident scholarships. Most sections of the AUA have funds that they donate to IVU to allow residents to travel. We usually try to have a fourth or a fifth year because, again, I think it's a little bit better. Obviously, COVID has kind of put a halt to that, and universities haven't been allowing travel. But hopefully, starting you know this coming up academic year, we'll be able to, to do more with regards to your career, again, I think it's great to do it when you're younger. I truly wish I'd have done it when I was younger, but didn't get the opportunity. But I think it's hard when you have a family, you're starting off, you, you don't have the same financial backing as you do when you've been in practice five or 10 years. So I think probably it's probably easier a little bit further in your career. But I, I'll tell you, I wish I'd have done it the first day I walked into medical school, if I could do it all over again. Sure. We're on the heels of COVID, hopefully. I say that with fingers. <laughs> uh, certainly, how did the pandemic affect humanitarian work? And uh, what uh, do you have anything that uh, came about that might be interesting to further your your uh, volunteering to help uh, some of the poor? IVU started virtual visiting professorships about a year before the pandemic started. So we were starting to do these kind of. I came up, I came up with the idea because. I, we had a visiting professor and I'm like, why should we be doing that other places? I could have other people doing that. And so we started doing that and we did it in Cape Town and Ethiopia. And then obviously the pandemic really forced us to do that. And we were doing a lot of them initially. The virtual world kind of caught up with us and obviously we weren't doing as many, but I can't quote the exact number, but I, I think we did 50 or 60, you know, in the pandemic time. So we did quite a lot, which I thought was nice to keep us engaged with our hosts and our friends. 
the other thing that I'm very excited about, I think it's technology and something to use. I started working with a nonprofit called Ohana One, and Ohana One bought the technology for Google Glasses. And so right now, there are five or six centers in Africa that have Google Glasses, Dakar, Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, Benin, uh, Nigeria, I'm trying to missing the one. And I sit on my couch at three in the morning and they're doing a posterior urethral reconstruction and I'm helping them do the case because I'm watching it like perfectly. And it's just as good as them because it's right on their head. Drives me a little crazy when they keep bobbing their head back and forth because I'm about <laughs> ready to vomit every once in a while. But it's, it's truly been an awesome way of, of continuing the, the, the teaching, right? Graham Watson, who I'm assuming most people know in the Endourologic Society, who's a big ureteroscopist and a big, does a lot of PCNLs, he's been doing PCNLs with this same technology. And one of the platforms has three screens. So he can see the x-ray, he can see what their hands are doing, and he can see the endoscopic view. So he's actually helping them get access. And then he's watching them break the stone up. Him and Kimora Scotland at UCLA are doing a lot of the PCNL stuff. So it's actually been really cool. I think going forward, it's going to be even better, right? Because now we can go there and we can have hands-on because you can't go for a long time. No one can afford to take off a month out of their practice to go there, but I can go there for a week. I can kind of give them, if someone's never done any recon, kind of help them with the basics. And then once they know that I can go back home, I can get up early one morning and, and go through the cases with them. And truly it's an opportunity, I think, to really expand their, their skill sets and I've loved it. I mean, it's a little nervous when you've never met anybody personally and you're trying to tell them what to do because sometimes as we are with our residents, we're like, whoa, what are you doing? Or stop. So I've had to curtail myself a little bit in those conversations. The, the technology that are, that's available in the local areas is, is the internet connection and the, you know, the, the lighting. And I mean, everything is ample for that type of platform. So that's a terrible question because there's been a few mornings when I've sat there for three hours looking at a blank screen, getting messages. We're getting internet in a second. We're getting internet in a second. <laughs> but it's only happened a few times. Um, so they have, most of the hospitals have good internet because I'm mostly at the teaching hospitals that, where they have a residency. But yeah, sometimes it goes out. You know, the lights are good. I mean, they have OR lights, but um, the internet goes away every once in a while. I think most people would agree we're, we're kind of in a, a little bit of a crisis in urology in America with people retiring earlier. And uh, I don't like the term, and I'm not sure the term really is, is relevant a lot, but burnout uh, amongst urologists, and uh, they've had enough and they're done. Is there some indication or any, any literature or any uh, kind of research that would suggest that volunteering and, and doing this kind of work actually delays the burnout and may delay retirement and might enhance and your practice a little bit when you come back? There actually is. I can tell you, my wife will tell you the last two years has been miserable for her because I've been home the whole time. But um, besides that, there is actually some, some data, not great data, that shows that people that are doing volunteerism or humanitarian work actually have less burnout. So working harder, taking your vacation time and going to work, because it reminds you of why, first of all, it reminds you why you went to medicine. I think a lot of the times we forget that when we're here, right? Where our university pressures, our group pressures, we have to do this, we have to do that. There you're just going and you're just teaching. And you're working with people that really wanna learn. The thirst of knowledge is so much different than here. I, I love taking our residents because 
I make them sit back and watch a couple of times because there will be residents like four deep watching a case and they're ecstatic where, as you know, our residents, if they don't have hands on and doing the case 100%, even if it's not a case they should be even trying, you know, you get a, you get a bad questionnaire and, you know, you get a, in trouble. So um, it's been a great opportunity to try to remind them, hey, you can learn by watching and it, it, it's completely fixed my burnout. Well, not in the last two years again. But yeah, there is a there is a, a num there's a lot in the lay press about it, or there's some in the lay press, and there there's one or two articles. Again, not great. That was actually my big plan <laughs> right before COVID hit was doing questionnaires with non um, volunteers and volunteers and seeing what the difference was. So hopefully we can get that back up again. Very good. <clears throat> well, that's pretty cool. Um, our time's running out. Uh, I just uh, maybe any last uh, closing comments. Um, uh, anything, you know, maybe you can help people like direct them to, to any kind of the international volunteers of urology is obviously a very well-known organization. I think it's very, very solid and they do a lot of good work. Is there, how would someone just maybe, you know, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow morning, how would they, what's the first step you'd recommend they do? I think, you know, going on the IVU website and, and checking that out is great. Anybody can email me call me anytime, day or night. Well, don't call me in the middle of the night, but you can, I mean, I'm happy to, and this is something obviously that I'm probably a little bit passionate about. So if people want to be involved and engaged, I would love to help them do that. I do think the first time you go has got to be a good experience. So, you know, don't just pick up the phone and say, I'm going to, to Zimbabwe next week and, and not have everything lined up because you've got to have a good experience. You got to have a host who's engaged, who wants to be involved. But I, I truly think IVU is a great spot. But again, there's a lot of other organizations in your schools and things as well. But I'm happy, and you can share my email, um, whatever you want to share about me, to people. And I'm happy to help them get involved in any way I can. Awesome. Well, Kurt, that's great. Uh, just again, for the listeners, he's at the Eastern Virginia Medical School. So you can probably track them down through, through that uh, route. But well, again, I, I appreciate your time very much. Your work will eventually affect millions of people. I hope you realize that. The way I look at it is when you teach residents and you teach people new things, as you say, teach people how to fish, and then they go out and they learn, and then they go out and teach 10 people. And then all 10 of those will teach 10 people as they take care of their patients. Your work and your education is basically forever. And people will always be learning things that you taught them uh, really in, indefinitely. I think that's a great thought for people who want to teach. Kurt, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your work and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Brad. It was great seeing you again. Have a good weekend. <laughs>